What would you say is the biggest misconception about you? Uh, the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely have to say that a lot of people judge me based off what other people say. Mm. And so there are so many things that people can judge and they've never even experienced me, don't know me based off of what somebody else has said. So when I say the biggest misconception is thinking people know me and they don't. Mm. Hmm. You don't <laughs> Why do know we always me. have the same answer? We don't, you don't know me. You heard your <laughs> friend say something from third grade or I took somebody's boyfriend in the ninth or something. I you mean. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> not, not the ninth grade, and they still bad girl. still with that we 40. Like he'll, I got a few of those. He'll be mm. set free. That part. <laughs> so I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. People um, experiencing me through other people mm-hmm. and not themselves. So I think that's really a big misconception. I would have to concur on that, especially <laughs> being on a reality TV show and people getting uh, a snippet of you that was filmed for four hours and you get two to three minutes of it and maybe oh, yeah. 15 minutes of it in a whole hour segment of a show. And they know everything about you. Oh, everything. They know your personality. They know who you are. And the other thing too, with me being on the TV show that I was on from the first season, mm-hmm. people have started at the end. Oh, wow. Okay. It's like, oh, this, she's, <laughs> oh, she's this, she's that. But you didn't see me going through all those phases right. of happiness and this and up and down. It's just what you see right now is who or what she you is. Hear. Or what you hear or what, or you, what hear. you have been um, privy privy to, to see <laughs> or what you have been given pieces of for you to deduce your own perception yeah and that's, so, that's kind of tough so if you put a, a puzzle together and it's missing pieces you're gonna miss the, the full figure of the um, puzzle absolutely and so so many people are missing the full piece of you mm-hmm. because they haven't gotten an opportunity to know you for whatever reason or for whatever they feel like they and then know. I also realized going through my <laughs> going through my phase of being in the comments and windmilling and all these with these people now because yeah. you know I'm like wait who you talking to <laughs> you on my page uh, I had to realize people are committed to misunderstanding oh, me yeah. in certain circumstances, in certain in, worlds. In life. In life, period. In life. People, and people can only receive from where they are. And that is what I learned too. People can only Pay receive from where they are, where they've experienced, what broken they know. People yeah, out here. So they'll, they, we usually will flock to whatever we know. Mm-hmm. If somebody's been hurt, like we, if, if I've been cheated on, I'm going to flock to the person that's been cheated on. Absolutely. I'm going to be the fan of that person. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what happened. So that's not your story. So I got to go. That's where not the story I'm, that I shared. Yeah. That's, that's not another story. episode. Of, <laughs> that's not the story that <laughs> yeah, I that's, shared. That's another episode. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's also, too, in moving in certain situations, you you try to protect people. Oh, yeah. Oh. To the detriment of yourself. Look at the Lord Jesus speaking Ooh. through you right now. Holy Spirit, activate. Wait, Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> Come on, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Listen, try to protect people to the detriment of yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, I get it. But I, I remember one day I was having what I call my block party, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was just getting messages left and right. And these women, I would go to some of their pages, professionals, therapists, and they're saying some of the most vile, disgusting things to me in my inbox, mm-hmm. on my page. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm praying for you or whatever. I would give energy to it. And it took me one day 
realizing that I had been blocking people for 30 minutes straight, just block. Here's another message, block. I'm sitting there in my workout clothes. I'm supposed to be at the gym trying to get finer, okay? Finer. Finer. <laughs> and I'm blocking people. And I, I had to realize, listen, this is taking too much of my You've time. You've given so much energy to something that doesn't matter. And that's not serving me. And that you won't be able to fix anyway. Period. The blocking, like I owned a recovery home for surgeries in Miami. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many bodies were fixed. You couldn't fix their heart. Period. You couldn't fix who they were. They mm-hmm. were going to leave with a bad broken. body, still broken. Still dysfunctional, still toxic, still, still drama accepting. filled, still mm-hmm. accepting whatever they came for. Mm-hmm. You just can't. You can't. And so I realized in that moment that was another epiphany. God smacked me with was like, I just remember saying, you know what? <laughs> I posted. I was having a block party for thirty minutes, but you know what? Y'all are my fans, so enjoy this content because you're gonna get it. I unblocked. I went that day and unblocked pretty much half my page you understand the word of god says that he'll prepare a table before your enemies which mm. indicates you have to have enemies mm. and a lot of us are trying to block the people who god is preparing the table for Ooh, and when you begin to block the people who god is preparing the table for now you're interfering with what he was going to do again that and control. so you have to understand that you got to step back because if i'll prepare a table before your enemies they gotta you, see. They gotta see. You can't be blocking what they gotta see. You, listen, you I realized that. Look, thirty minutes. The guy said, "Listen, you don't waste thirty minutes Baby, of your come time. On and sit at this table. I say, come on and watch this content. Yeah, sit at the table and watch me eat. Yes. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> That's what it is. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So, what would you say through everything that you've been through? What have you learned about yourself recently? I learned about myself recently that I've been abused. Mm. I've never been physically abused, mm. but I have been mentally abused and I have become a an abuser mm. through trying to defend me. So I didn't realize, I thought being taught that abuse is hitting me. Mm. That's where my mind stopped because I've never been hit by a man. But then I realized that you've been abused a lot you've been abused by people saying stuff about you and now you got to fight back with your words Mm -hmm. and I realized like oh my god I have been abused and I now need to know how to heal from the abuse that I did suffer and one day I woke up and I was studying the word and God told me listen I want to restore every age And I literally began to pray, God, restore me at the age of one, restore me at the age of two, restore me at the age of three, Mm -hmm. restore me at the age of 18. Because in every one of those years, something happened. Mm -hmm. And I need for him to restore me and make me whole Mm -hmm. and heal me from the areas of the things that I lack knowledge of. Because for lack of knowledge, we perish. And I didn't understand that you've been abused before and you've been accepting it. Mm -hmm. And it has become the function of your dysfunction. You've been functioning in it. It's your norm now. Mm -hmm. It's your norm to play games because you want to beat somebody at their Mm. game. It's your norm to abuse back because now you've been abused and didn't realize that that's what it was. And so I'm just learning myself. And that is a big part of it. Learning that, hey, you've been abused. That's powerful. Um, I spoke last October at an event and it was private. Mm -hmm. And I had never spoken about abuse. Oh, wow. Um, and what I re- that morning I was getting my makeup done and I just couldn't stop crying because God was telling me you need to talk about it and I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And as I listened, they were playing gospel music. I was listening to um, various songs. I couldn't even tell you what songs they were, but God was like, "It's time." Wow. 
um, you have been saying your silence is killing you. Mm-hmm. It's time to release some of this. And the problem with me is that there's all forms of abuse. I experienced physical abuse. I experienced emotional, financial. And for me, especially with the physical aspect of it, and I've never talked about this outside of that one incident publicly, um, I didn't even realize that it was abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even, it was like, oh, you know, you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back. Right. But if you're dealing with it from a, 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 a different um, sex, of course, they're naturally stronger than you. Right. So you're not thinking of it. For me, I didn't think of it as abuse. And when it became consistent, mm-hmm. I blocked it out. Mm-hmm. I acted like it didn't even happen. Right. Um, and for me, whew, um, dealing with it, and it took somebody to say to me, just because you fought back did not make it not be abuse. Right. And it kind of hit me like, okay. And as I started to heal from some, some of the, the, the things and started to open up the reality of this now being a part of my purpose, mm-hmm. God was telling me in October, this is a part of your purpose now. You have people to save. Mm-hmm. You have people that wouldn't expect for a woman like you to have been in that situation, which is right. what I was dealing with. Right. Telling myself that I'm a boss. I'm strong. I've been through so much. I'm from a pedigree of strong women. How did I end up in this situation? And how did I continue to accept it? The embarrassment, the shame, mm-hmm. the not even understanding. It got to a point where it was so bad that other people were starting to see it. And I was numb in it. Like Because oh, you were living it. Yep. You were involved. I was numb in it. I had family members that came around and saw certain incidents. To, to, uh, one of my college friends came to me and just burst into tears just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm consoling them mm-hmm. about the, the, uh, the behavior that I was used to. I had become numb to. Mm-hmm. And it took me to get to a space where it was like, Though, although I'm not being physically abused anymore, now it's coming in a financial form. Now it's coming in legal form. Now it's coming in so many other ways that it's no matter if I keep silent, I'm thinking I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting people that are in my life, my loved ones. It's still happening. Right. And I'm still fighting. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to get to a space where I am feeling whole again, mm-hmm. I have to speak out and I spoke out to my makeup artist just taking her to the airport and I was telling her you know I've been in a situation with domestic violence and I thought it was gonna get better I thought I could love them through it I kept pouring into them wanting it to be better and she was listening to me and you know I got took her to the airport and I said one of the things I realized that if I could tell anybody I would tell them to leave as soon as possible because it doesn't get better it doesn't stop Mm -hmm. it doesn't change unless they want to be the change and you can't do that for them no and you could pretend as much as you want and you can act like things are going to get better and things are going to change. And we and that's what happens. That's why we string out. Oh, because we begin to count numbers. Oh, we've been together a year. We've been together two oh, years, that 20 part. years. We want we want because we don't want people to judge. Oh, they didn't make it that part. 30 days or six months because you're not living in my shoes. Mm-mm. And there's no cap on you going to get married again. No. You can get married as many times as you need to. Period. Not saying that that's what needs to happen, but we have to stay and we stay in unhealthy situations. And I had to tell my mom a few um, weeks ago. I don't live in the age that you all grew up in. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't have to stay in something. I really don't care what people think. That's That was your 50s thought. 
Mm-hmm. But in 2023, as for me and my house, <laughs> then I can make a choice to take care of me and my well-being. I won't be abused. A narcissist cannot continue to gaslight me mm-hmm. and control me and sabotage me and have me thinking I got to self-sabotage and questioning who I am as an individual. Like I literally have over time through men, because as women, we, we feel like, hey, I need a man. Listen, I've never felt that way. I need a man. I was actually that girl that was like, marriage, what? I, oh, right. I, I had a plan. If I made it to a certain age, I had two friends. I was like, you're going to be artificially, uh, you're going to have to go <laughs> hand that over. And they were in agreement. Oh, wow. Because it's like, I'm ha- I was outside. I was having a good time and enjoying my single life. And, and then it was something in wanting to settle down. Wanted to have a kid. That's the norm. That's graduate. Have yeah, but baby, that word that I—that—that's what we're taught. You know. But I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't the girl that was looking at wedding dresses. I was. I always knew I wanted to be a mom because I had. I lacked that in my life. Right. So I knew okay. that I was going to pour into being a mom. Right. Um. Sad part about it is I may have manifested not having the man, but <laughs> I never really thought about that aspect of it. And then when I looked at okay I'm gonna settle down I'm gonna have a family mm-hmm. I'm gonna come back to Huntsville which I had been gone for a, ooh, a long time never thought I was gonna ever be back in Huntsville um but then I realized too that word settle doesn't match me it's a curse I ain't selling thinking, in nothing as you start ever again as you start saying words and you start to understand them good morning morning is what, I don't say that you like, see when you text me I say happy, happy Tuesday. Tuesday yeah good morning <laughs> and when we start saying you know certain things earn mm. the word earn is where you put ashes, ashes. <laughs> you know so we had settle Mm. You know, I you just I have ain't to be settling. I and listen, and I'm not looking for potential I, because potentially, go nah. Potential is dangerous. <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. I'm and not confusing. looking for potential. I'm not settling. I'm not doing none of that. Right. And I'm not. I'm also not going to be able to connect with anyone in any facet of my life that is not still doing the work. Yeah. Oh, the wow. work doesn't stop to the day you die. Wow. And I realize that if people feel like, oh, no, I'm gonna do that later, or I got, no, I'm good, or no, it's aspects of you that need work I think in every facet of your life. I think me being an executor, I want to get things done. Mm. I don't like to just see stuff undone. Mm. I, If you around me, you say something, I'm going to start throwing you stuff. So you know me and you had that conversation. I was at, oh, I do it tomorrow. Oh, no. I do it tomorrow. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. That has, and I realized I developed that in the stage of distraction. Right. And also, my father's a procrastinator, so we get those things oh, yeah. from our lineage. And the day that I started saying, I'm not doing that tomorrow, I'm not doing that tomorrow, I'm not doing that tomorrow, even to the point where my dad, him being sick, and I had ordered him these specific like Gatorade-style drinks, but they're like medical grade, um, I was like, I'm going to take it to him. To, no, I'm going to take it to him today. today. And when I got there, my dad was so sick. Oh, wow. Like, crying like I've never in my life seen my dad like that um I had to take him to the emergency room so what would tomorrow had looked like don't put off tomorrow what you can do today the little saying you know don't put out so I don't do tomorrow I mean I know Glow really got that song but she said she's just saying that's why I love it you know because I got another opportunity opportunity. but I ain't gonna take uh, nah can't do tomorrow (laughs) yeah it's it's exciting to know that hey because tomorrow isn't promised. The next hour isn't promised. You know, have mm-hmm. you ever talked to somebody and, oh, such and such died? Like, what? What happened mm-hmm. to him? I just saw him. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be conscious of the fact that 
that's what we're guaranteed to do and we don't have a we don't have an expiration date so we never we know when we don't have one like i was pregnant baby just died like i just assumed i was gonna have a baby and mm-hmm. bring her home and all mm-hmm. that good stuff that didn't happen and, and so i went through that five deep. times oh wow Gotta five times of, us, of assuming that it was going to happen i remember the fifth time i remember me being a high performer feeling like you know i'm always excelling or i'm always successful in things that i touch and this was the one thing that I just could not do. I couldn't carry a baby. The term I remember sitting in the office and looking out of the window and one of my reps that I was pouring into, she walked in and I was crying. And she, of course, the boss, you don't see the boss crying. And I just broke down. I said, I'm failing. Mm. This is the one thing that I'm failing at. And I believe that I blocked out a lot of the things that were wrong in my marriage because I wanted to win in that aspect. I wanted this baby. And I had to come to grips with that too. And why I was in a situation that I probably, God wanted me to go through. And I'm not even say that. God wanted me to go through, had to go through for my son to get here. But I I was so focused on that goal that I blocked out a lot of the things that I, I should, I probably would have normally ran from. Right. Um, And that's being honest as a woman. You get to a certain space where you want things and you overlook certain aspects, certain situations because you want to get to that goal. The goal could be marriage. The goal could be kids. Um. And a lot of times you pay for it. Mm. You pay for that dearly. And I had to pay for that. And I'm still paying for that. But it's also paying me back and turning my pain into purpose. Yeah. Yeah. As women, we we nurture. We mm-hmm. take care of situations. We want to fix. We That's just who we are. But I've always fixed from a full tank. Mm-hmm. I've never had to fix from a half empty or empty tank. But I think God can mature us mm. when we have to force ourselves Cause we we can get used to the full tank. Mm-hmm. It's easy. Mm-hmm. That's the easy part of it. Being able to function on a full tank of mm-hmm. gas. When you when I started seeing my gas tank get close to that E, it, it hit different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you move a little <laughs> quicker. It, is on e, it definitely hits different. Mm-hmm. And so you have to look at the fact of what God is going to be able to use with a strong being like you and myself. Like he sometimes has to isolate us. Mm. He has to sit us down. Mm-hmm. He has to put us in situations that we can't rush past and fix ourselves because we'll get the glory from that. Mm. When he, we have to go back and be like, but God, listen, that's my, that's, I have no other answer, yeah, but God, but God, I have no says, other answer. I got it now. I got her now. She understands mm. it. Not, but male, not, but destiny. <sighs> when you have to be in a space where you can say, but God, and really mean, but God, Cause I'm in a butt God season right now. Mm. Like God, if you don't do it, it just won't get done. <laughs> like I'm serious. It mm-hmm. just can't get done if you don't do it for me. Cause I don't even have the know-how and God is saying, that's where I want you to be. Mm. I don't want you to be in control. And that's something that, especially when you're uh, used to being the boss and the the power player and the mover and shaker, the, 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 the release of control. It's exhausting. Oh my goodness. Like when people say, Oh, Destiny, you know, you have a lot of masculine energy and you I realize and I said in it, like, okay, yep, sure do. Yeah. But I realized that because of the way that I had to move through life as a from a child, mm. dealing with growing up in Detroit, Michigan during the crack epidemic. Right. And with a mom that is on drugs. And one of the things too I had an epiphany about with her was that she's an exceptionally strong woman mm-hmm. and I get my strength from her. Mm-hmm. Because she survived that epidemic and mm-hmm. she's still here, okay. still in the streets, still day to day. Um I got some healing from that too, 
from right. from from that uh, aspect of our relationship. But survival, mm. survival is my norm. Right. And I, I said this in an interview before. I've learned how to survive. I know how to do it so well. Learn how to live and thrive. Yeah. Like you don't. You shouldn't have to be placed in a position of surviving all the time, mm-hmm. because you never can really be free. I realized that we you fly a lot, you travel. I literally had to think one day when the stewardess said, put your own mask on first mm. before you put somebody else's mask on. I realized Very that in important. life I've been putting other people's masks on. I would be looking to make sure everybody else had a mask on while I'm dying. Literally. While I need to put my own mask on. I'm trying to help you figure out how to put your mask on. And one day my dad said... You know, it's it's unhealthy when a situation is good for somebody else, but it hurts you. Mm. Where you're not even as concerned about yourself that you allow, you help people to where it hurts you. And that was my last relationship. And it was just pouring heart and soul into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was natural. It was mm-hmm. like, I'm fighting like, hey, this is what we're going to get to. We're going to get here. And it's funny that we're both daddy's girls raised by men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times the game that we're given can be intimidating to men. Because that's what we were raised in. Mm-hmm. I had a gentleman tell me one day, he said, I don't ever want you to talk about the fact that your mom didn't raise you. He said, I need for you to love the fact that the reason why you're usually comfortable with males is because you were raised by one. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you know. He, he can only teach from the capacity. That's your legacy. That's who you are as a person. Now, when people start saying it's a bad thing, that's just what, that's the hand you were dealt. Mm. And so now you got to be apologetic because a man ste- stepped up and said, hey. I never apologize I'm gonna be, for it. I'm going to be dad mm-hmm. and I'm going to teach her. And I remember my dad going to books of me and getting a cycle book. Hey, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> this is what, because he could, he could only teach me from what he knew. Absolutely. And I realized that people, um, we could watch the same movie, Destiny, and I may look at what experiences hit me. Mm-hmm. And you're going to look at what experiences hit you. Mm-hmm. And so people don't understand when you're raised by a dad because it's not as common. Absolutely. And that was another thing that I had to overcome mm-hmm. you know finally after my dad uh, you know got got because he had to fight for custody of me I was in the system foster care um oh, wow. for a short period of time then my grandmother who was a big influence in my life and then my dad and mm-hmm. like you said him learning he was learning t- to one raise a child right and then have a girl child right it was so abnormal for him to be at PTA meetings and calm hair oh no 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 I sh- I'm Listen, they said I showed up. My dad combed Grown. my hair. He combed my hair, and I, but it, what it did, it matured me so much faster. I found myself doing stuff so much, ironing clothes. Listen, that's what I said. <laughs> By the time my dad got custody of me, I remember my godmother, who was a big influence in my life. She's, I call her mama. She said, I couldn't do anything for you. I was here to help you, yeah. help your dad with you. He said, but she said, you came dressing yourself, doing yes. your hair. She said, I can literally do nothing for you. Yes. At six years old. So at six, you were already doing this. She so said I was a woman. At 26, you were going to do. I was already a woman trying to figure things out. And and it's so crazy. I, before we started, I got a text message from somebody who was telling me, you know, you this and you that and you this. And I really had to stop and realize you've healed a lot. Mm. But we still have triggers. You've healed a lot. Because typically what you would have said, you could have said, <laughs> you didn't say. And so I started thinking about my dad being like, happy is healthy. Mm. Happy is healthy. Even though somebody else is unhealthy and unhappy, doesn't mean you have to. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the big things I love about him. He's always going to keep it real with me. And he said happy is healthy. And it kicked in sitting down there like my before dad, we started. My dad is one of my best friends. We go at it, but we also, that's my everything. <laughs> yes. And it's so funny you talk about the the cycle book. I used to, um, I remember him, my dad. <laughs> so I would, I, I would pick out my, my pads or whatever. And then he would literally have to take the plastic wrap and go walk down the aisles and like, okay, this is the one. He, <laughs> he got some, he got a couple women off of that though. Like, oh, I'm looking for my daughter. Can you help me find this? <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's interesting to, to, um, to share that journey. And I had so many women that like my friends, mothers that would just take me in and love on me. And, I had so many mothers. That's the glass half full, though. Mm. That's you looking at it from the glass half full. If you change your thinking, you change your life. And so you begin to think, oh, I'm blessed because I got a bunch of mamas. No, no, no. I didn't look at it as if I was half full. I no, was I'm grateful. not saying you. I'm oh. saying other people looking at it can be like, oh, well, her mama not there. But look, oh, I gained had, a lot of moms. I've had that actually happen in my, um, what do you call it? In-laws have said to to try to cons- try to put me in a box where she don't know what mother's Mother, love. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, How? that's her for one. Mm-hmm. Two, I've had more mamas than you probably could ever imagine. Still yeah. to this day, that's their that's what that's all they can see. So when we start to realize that, okay, well, you had your mom, then you can't even see on the side of not having your mom. Mm-hmm. You can't see from my view. Mm-hmm. I can see from your view, but you can't see from my view because you don't and, understand. And that's it. a love that was not forced. Not to say that mother's love is forced, but it's chosen. Yeah, I, women chose to love me and mother me, um, and I'm grateful. Oh yeah, I'm grateful. I have a godmother. God rest her soul, and she was in DHR and um, took care of a bunch of children, mm-hmm. and she saw something in me, and I, I. I remember when I was running away, actually. I think I was seven. Uh, <laughs> and I had my bag. And it was nighttime. And my dad was like, go on, go. Bye. Oh, and so, so I got my little brown paper bag <laughs> with my clothes. And I'm standing on the corner of Ortega. And my godmother used to live across the street. And she self-appointed godmother because at that time she wasn't. She was like, what are you doing? She pulling up from church. Bible study. What are you doing? I was like, I'm running away. And she was like, oh, really now? Okay, so why? And in that moment, she talked me down. We walked back in the house. And after that, I went to church with her every Wednesday and every Sunday. She's the first person that handed me a book during the summertime. She made me read. And she poured so much into me. And she was the classiest woman. Biggest hat you would have in church, of course. (laughs) Um, And it just, she, she just mothered me and loved on me. And my other godmother, she showed me work ethic because she worked so hard. And strength she told a pistol she'll pull it out in a minute i saw you know so i saw two different women in my immediate everyday life different spectrums and they were good friends too but they mothered me and loved on me mm-hmm. and i got the balance even though i still got a lot of but that was survival my masculine energy is survival right. and I, I see a lot of women saying i want to sit in my femininity but i haven't found a, a situation or a space that makes me feel protected to save you got to feel safe to be in that space. You know, for, for somebody to come in and say, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff. You have to show me that. Like, mm-hmm. I got to feel safe with you. If you don't feel safe with somebody or safe in a situation, it's hard for you to conquer that. So situation. what's your definition of safety? My definition of safety is where I can truly trust the situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. Where I, If you tell me the sky is purple, 
I don't need to go look. Mm. I trust it. Listen. I don't have to go and see that there's mail on the porch or a box on the porch because you told me. I trust it. Mm -hmm. I'm safe with what you said. And I'm trusting your leadership. I'm trusting your, I I have to be able to trust your leadership because I'm a leader. Mm -hmm. I'm a leader myself. And a lot of times they don't know we want to, we want to not leave. I don't want to leave. I don't want to pay the bills. I want you to be able to tell me, baby. And I can trust that you're going to pay the bills and I don't have to go question it. Or I'm having to look and see every time I look, everything you say is not true. Hasn't happened. Mm. That's unsafe for me. Absolutely. I can't trust that. Absolutely. And so I'm learning that the hard way experiencing where I freely handed my trust over mm. and oh my goodness it's so interesting that you said that and I, and we'll we'll get to a close but I got to a space in my marriage where it was I was on bed rest I'm oh, wow. you know I'm working in a corporate world making great money doing well for myself and I ended up in a space where I had no choice wow I had to leave my job I had to leave my home and I'm solely dependent on my spouse to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And it was the one, I would say, even in, in trying to struggle through finances in the early 20s and figuring out, it was the one time in my life that I felt the most alone, mm-hmm. um, the least protected. Wow. And just that moment when I really needed to be protected and provided for was taken advantage of. Right. And it, but it taught me a lot. And, um, it, it also made me more self-aware. Um, and I, you know, I can't go back and change any of that. Right. As hard as it was. Cause I, in the moment, that's when I started to get back into my trauma, um, responses right. where I'm not present. I don't allow it to be reality. I just push through. Right. I'm gonna figure out how to take pay these bills, my savings, all this, and then I get hit with legal stuff, court, divorce, all that. Um, and it took me to a space that I wasn't used to being in. And and then the cyberbullying and oh she this and she that and the show is showing this and it was just a lot. But I'm I'm so grateful and I'm so grateful that you are as well going through therapy and getting into a healing space. Oh, definitely. Because this whole podcast is about healing. Mm-hmm. It's about sharing experiences in your journey and your journey to becoming unbreakable. Right. <laughs> and I'm excited about it. Yes. So, so if you could leave uh, the viewers with one last thing, maybe a favorite quote or anything you want to leave them with, what would it be? Um, can I pull my phone out? You can, girl. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, um, I definitely want to share that I have a book um, out now called The Metox, The Personal Life Detox. Okay. It's a full book where you can go and you can actually do trauma um, homework assignments. Mm-hmm. And so you read the chapter and then you apply those points to the homework where you got to be completely honest. And so I'm excited about that. But one of my sayings that I like right now that is really um, big is an outside indication of an internal situation. An outside indication of an internal situation, meaning what happened on the outside has now started to cause you issues on the inside. A situation that somebody did to you, somebody said something about you that's now affecting your heart, Mm. your emotions, the way you feel, the way you're functioning. That's a big thing for me right now, making sure that the outside situations don't affect my internal, who I am on the inside Mm. and change the great person who I am 
because people are going to be people. People are going to people. Mm-hmm. Haters are going to hate. Naysayers are going to talk. But who I am is who I am. I know my truth. You know your truth. You got to be strong enough to stand in it. And I love that. Where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube, um, Mel Bowers. You can find me on Instagram, who is Mel B, and TikTok, um, Mel Bowers. Um, you can find me on my website, www.melbowers.com. You can find me at 365 every morning at 6 a.m. Yes, what word. people don't know about is shit, this is a praying woman. I, I listen, am. I got to share this story and then we'll get out of here. I have a cousin that lives in California and I was talking to him about, you know, just prayer. Like he called me one morning and he was like, God told me to pray for you. And I'm on the call just bawling because I needed it in that moment. And then he was saying, yeah, I just got off the call with this this girl. And I mean, she is killer. She, you know, I mean, she good. And and I was like, Mel? And he was like, uh, he said your name completely wrong. Right. And I was like, how you know about her in California? He was like, oh, my people told me about her. And I'm like, yeah, she's doing God's work. Been on the call for over 800 days straight every single day at 6 o'clock a.m. And there's people from all over the United States on this call that I don't even know. They've never seen my face. I haven't seen a lot of them. And... It's called 365, and that means we're pouring into people every single day. Absolutely. And whoever I've been on that are, call a lot. You thank you. Yes. Amen. Thank you for what you do, girl. Uh, thank you so and much. And thank for you for sharing me. this space with me. Thank you for allowing me in your intimate space, the vulnerable space, for allowing people to be able to be vulnerable without judgment. Absolutely. It's important and it's necessary. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Bring that out. Back in my bag, I'm on my luck. I'm grinding, they know I got the stuff they tryna dip inside it. But uh, whoa there, don't you go there? Nah, uh, slow down and don't you hold your breath. Look, it's that, pull it, bounce. I can't, if it don't got bounce, feel that, gotta make on bounce. We that, we that, bring that bounce. It's that, pull it, bounce. I can't, if it don't got bounce.